Welcome to the Open Source Way. This is SAP's podcast series in which we'll talk about the difference that open source can make. In each episode, we'll talk to a different expert and we'll talk to them about why they do it the open source way. I'm your host, Carsten Hohage, and in this episode, I'm going to talk to Holger Streidel, who runs the open source activities at Carl Zeiss AG, and Peter Giese, who leads SAP's open source program office. We'll try to identify some similarities as well as differences in the approaches to open source in our two different companies. Holger is basically the open source program office at Carl Zeiss AG, the open source consultant at Carl Zeiss. He joined Zeiss in 2019 and his background is computer sciences. He used to work in the area of health IT as a researcher at uh, University Hospital of Heidelberg and the Helmholtz Center in Munich and also in various roles in service and engineering at GE Healthcare. His uh, first rendezvous with open source, for all I know, was in 2010 when he founded the metfloss.org repository that indexed nearly 400,000 uh, open source projects in the area of healthcare. Peter Giese, we've had him as a guest before, is director of the SAP Open Source Program Office, focusing on refining SAP's open source strategy, developing new tools and approaches for managing open source, and on further promoting inner as well as uh, open source at SAP. Peter joined SAP in 1996 and worked as a researcher at Fraunhofer Institute before that for experimental software engineering and as a development manager at Kiefer and Feitinger Consulting before. He holds an MSc also in computer sciences. Welcome Holger and welcome Peter. Hello. Thank you very much. Yeah, hello. Thanks for having us. Okay, great that you're here. Um, let's get started uh, with something that was communicated by the European Union, I think a couple of weeks back. They published the numbers for gross product share of open source in Europe. Holger, that was quite a few billions. How many was that again? Yeah, this was really a very interesting or amazing number. Um, this has been uh, 63 billion euros that European uh, software developers contributed in form of source code um, to the overall gross domestic product of the European Union. I think it was in the year 2018, um, which they examined in detail. Okay, so that's numbers from a while back that have probably even risen by now, I assume. How did it come to these numbers and, and why is a company like Zeiss, who we know for optics, for metering technology, semiconductor and so on, uh, how are they involved in contributing to that product. Zeiss is mainly known for their glasses, their lenses and their telescopes or if you are more interested into the tiny little things and if you're for example working in material sciences or medicine um, you will probably know our uh, microscopes and of course everything that is related to ophthalmology. That's not the only um, part where Zeiss is active or that are really important for our company because we also have a big um, business to uh, business relationship. And this is mainly in the field of industrial quality solutions, as well as, as in the field of um, semiconductor manufacturing technology. There, we can combine all of our strengths or um, yeah, specialties or great techniques that we have because 
um, with um, our mirrors, we can really support the five nanometer lithography process, which is really the latest state of the art. So the uh, processors that we carry in our smartphones or the latest computer generations are made um, based on this technology. And this is really pretty amazing or was really a surprise for me that SIS is also active within that field. So um, we have great hardware, but we are also very strong um, in software. Um, as you probably will know, even if our product um, does not contain any software, it was strongly supported by um, software when it was produced. And so this really gets very obvious if we look at the number of software engineers we have at size. So we are counting at least 1,500 at the moment, and this is really continuously and fast growing. Um, we are developing software in a modern and agile way. And of course, this also means with a big share of open source software as part of our products. And um, yeah, for example, we also recently with partnered with Microsoft, um, who is meanwhile also a big contributor and friend of open source software. And yeah, so that's, I would say, also our story from yeah what we are doing and why we happen to do be also active in the field of open source software. Okay, so like the very short summary could be from precision hardware basically outside the field of computers it took you to hardware on the it side on the computer side and from there of course the natural course is that you're also involved in software uh, would that be the short summary i would say so yes um i mean it's you cannot live any longer without software in nearly really every device that you are touching or working with um if we take a closer look, I think um, our history with computing already started away earlier. So um, it was in 1955 um, in the German Democratic Republic that Karl Zeiss Jena built already the first computer. It was called Oprema. Um, it's the short form for optic rechenmaschine. And of course, it was also used during that time for rapid uh, optical calculations for our lenses or lens-based systems. And it was soon followed also by the Zeiss Rechenautomat 1. Um, that was the first in series produced computer um, long before, for example, Robotron started to do this um, within the uh, eastern part of the world. So these were the computers that were being used to make the lenses that I now adapt to my digital camera, right? Because I, I have this nerd hobby of uh, screwing uh, old Zeiss and Maya Görlitz uh, and so on lenses uh, to my new digital camera. And I guess then these computers were involved in making the calculations for lenses like that, right? Exactly, because probably during that time, Zeiss didn't have that many mathematicians or the demand for the lenses has been so strong so that already during that time, computers helped to yeah, get the best out of or for our products. Okay, cool. Is there any more to say about this, like uh, the the ancient history of computer use or was that basically it? That, that was the, the RA1 and the Oprima before that, right? Exactly. To all what I know, and I think then it was passed on to some other facilities due to the different um, economic system in the uh, Democratic Republic. But um, 
These are mainly the roots. Yeah, but of course the times have changed and now the involvement in software uh, and hardware is a quite different one from back then. That was back then only for the purpose of building even more precise uh, optic devices. And now, as you've already described, it's a totally different game, right? So this leads me to the following question. Uh, in these Modern days that we have reached now, what are the questions that arise for an enterprise like Zeiss? And, and what's your role in that? And I don't know, maybe start with the latter. What's your role? Mm -hmm. So my role is mainly, I would call myself something between a coach and a consultant. So I'm providing trainings, but also really helping a lot on a case-by-case -case basis. And... Um, Yeah, what's really important also is to grow our internal expert community so that it's not only me, but really the knowledge is spread throughout the company. Um, and of course, I also try to strongly promote or advocate for the use of open source um, because, yeah, it really helps a lot that we get the latest technology um, into our products. Um, so what topics are in there? The most important point at the beginning is always license compliance to also reduce the IP risk and to focus also on application security. But as you grow and as you as we continue this journey, um, there are a lot of other topics. And to my understanding, I think SAP has already also explored a lot all the other contexts. Right, Peter? Yeah, definitely. I think... Our companies or in general companies differ in, in size and probably also differ in when they started uh, consuming open source, for instance. But in the end, the overall um, open source journey is very similar in all companies. Normally, it starts with consuming open source components. And then after some time, um, you also want to um, fix certain bugs in those components or add certain features. And then you start contributing to open source. And at some point in time, maybe you start even releasing your own open source projects. And um, then, of course, for all of these inbound, outbound open source tasks, you can also have different levels of maturity, for instance, of automation, uh, depending on the scale on which you have to do this. But in the end, it's always the same fundamental questions for all of us. Um, and if it comes to consuming open source, then yeah, the first thing every company normally looks into is license compliance. But um, from my point of view, equally important is also security. Um, you have to be, ensure that there are known, no known vulnerabilities inside of open source components that you include in your own products. And um, that is something you have to take care for. Or in our enterprise business, when SAP delivers software to customers, oftentimes we have to maintain this for 10 or 20 or 30 years. So maintenance of consumed open source components is also a topic And for that, for instance, we are also already starting at the time when we select an open source component to include in our products that we have certain selection criteria and also tools for supporting our developers in doing such a selection so that they are not running into trouble later on, hopefully. So is that all the same stuff as you're worried about at uh, or taking care of at size uh, as well, Olga? Yeah, I would say it's similar. Of course, we currently do not have yet a very strong focus to um, to um, to also engage in the community. I mean, this is currently still happening already and also since quite a while within each of our different segments, but it's on their own and it's not really an orchestrated approach, so to say. 
And so every team or yeah, engineering or product team does it depending on yeah, how much they need it or how much sense it makes. But of course, we sh can still do better in providing more clarity, more assistance in doing this really um, the best way and also to, yeah, to take the best out of this. So how do you really successfully grow a community and so on? I guess that's, that's the place as SLP is already very active. And I mean, just if I look on your blog, I, I see a lot of projects um, that you um, brought into life and are growing over a longer time. I guess we do have a little bit of a difference, of course, because SAP in the end is 100% a software company and Zeiss is partly also involved in doing things with and about software. So uh, there are probably some mechanisms that were better in place at SAP already, maybe. And maybe we've already had some employees. I know we've had employees who have long contributed to open source projects in their private time um, because they're just simply developers and have been for 20 years. Um, and maybe that's a little bit of a difference to size, isn't it? Um, we also have a lot of, how to say, senior engineers that are working for a long time in this area. And so I heard of some colleagues who are also actively contributing to the Linux kernel. Um, and we are involved to some parts there um, as it is used in, in the embedded devices. I was just saying from the overall organization, uh, we're full bred basically on uh, we do software uh, and you guys do software and many other things, right? Exactly. We had a different focus, but I think it's slowly shifting because, yeah, meanwhile, you cannot really live without software. But of course, we will, our main focus is on, on our optics and on the hardware. Um, but it, there will always be an, or there will be an increasing share of software involved in this as well. And so, yeah. I think you're the first guest from outside SAP that we have in this podcast. I didn't point that really out in the beginning. So uh, we could also have some great controversy here, but I think you're not set out for that, as it seems. Of course, we could uh, discuss on certain aspects, but I guess it's mainly about collaboration. And I guess that was also one point how we got together, because uh, we met at, actually met at a conference of where, um, which was mainly intended for companies and that that then um, yeah was intended to to explain or clarify what's the best way of how to use open source in an enterprise what are the, the pitfalls and so on and this is also one thing i really like about that it's more really about working together or collab collaborating and sharing information you're anticipating my questions here that would that would have been my next one how did you you two meet anyway both of us, Holger and myself, visited the um, Open Source Summit of the Linux Foundation in Lyon last year. And um, that is where we met. No, not, uh, it was not last year. It was like two years ago, right? So we met there and um, talked about open source program offices and, and what we do. And maybe because you were asking for differences, I think um, one difference is that Olga right now is, and I mean this with all respect, is a little bit like a one-man show. So he has to build up the open source program office at size and um, with everything that is coming with that, creating a policy, kind of uh, working with the legal colleagues to create a legal framework, 
creating education for for your developers to educate them on how to consume open source in a safe and compliant manner. And um, we have the luxury that we are already running our open source journey since 1998, and that the open source program office has grown already a little bit. That's why um, I think for for us certain things. Um, could already evolve over time and we have a, a few more people in the office that makes life a little bit easier. But the good news is that we have exactly these kind of conferences and that we are living the open source way also in, in the open source program offices. So I think most of the offices are very open to exchanging best practices and also exchanging tools for managing open source that we um, also again develop as open source so, um, for instance, from from SAP side, we have tools like CLA Assistant to manage um, contributions to open source projects, which itself is again published as an open source project. Or we have a tool like Fosters, where which we use to do security ratings for open source components we want to consume in our software, and um, that we also share with with the rest of the community. And there are also a lot of um, associations or groups. We are also exchange experiences um, where people that are currently starting um, fresh with an, uh, creating or setting up an OSPO can turn to, to get help. Yeah. Um, for instance, the to-do group of the Linux Foundation is a group where the OSPOs from a lot of different companies are regularly exchanging um, best practices and tools to successfully run open source programs. And um, we have the open chain project where um, a specification for license compliance is developed. So um, the, the, the good thing is if you start an open source progress, a program office today, you do not have to start uh, at zero, but you can turn to a lot of already existing publicly available information and open source projects and groups that are happy to help, so to say. Let's go back to Tizer for a minute. How how do you mostly engage with uh, Tizer employees to propagate uh, open source and support them in using it, producing it, whatever? Yeah, maybe first of all, I would just would like to add that meanwhile we are really already well underway on our journey um, with working open source or making sure that we do everything correct. Um, what's basically most important there is to have a central policy. Um, that we um, accompany with a, a practical guidance in form of a wiki that really explain not only what is required to do, but also why you need to do this. And um, yeah, what's the purpose? What's the background uh, behind this? Because if you know this, then you can really make sure that you adhere to this. Um, in addition, the way on how I also, uh, the way on how I interact with my colleagues is, um, yeah, that we really try to to empower each other by knowledge. So not really just saying, yeah, you need to do this or to do that, but really to spread the knowledge and make sure that the knowledge is really at the forefront where software is actually developed. Um, we are continuously growing our internal community, community by using, of course, modern communication platforms. Um, and also deliver, delivering a lot of trainings to our people. So let's let's maybe let's maybe dedicate some time to training. Um, there's of course a lot of different aspects around open source software in general that you can 
train people about? Uh, do you have advice? Is there like an entire curriculum of trainings or from concepts down to details? Or is there one training and what is the focus on? How is that set up for Zeiss? Um, for now, and we have to see how well this is working out on the long run, but for now we have a kind of basic training, which is aimed at really every person at size who will sooner or later touch software so uh, get a software developer or change something or create something with uh, software and this is really meant to raise the awareness and to share the basic principles of what is open source what is allowed to do where are the challenges and then we have a second training which we call uh, FOSS professional uh, which is really a full day workshop um, focusing or providing you all the knowledge that um, is important to do it the right way. And this is really quite specific knowledge so that you really learn about specific licenses, about um, yeah, what are the challenges in the world so that meanwhile we see source available, licenses getting popular and so on. And this should really educate specific persons who then are the experts for their team, which they can then support and consult in case of questions and so on. And so that not everyone has to ask me or get in contact with me, but we really spread the knowledge and make sure that um, yeah, also the colleagues get fast responses. So with most of these people that you train are senior developers, probably anyway, you don't need to educate them about GitHub so much because they've been using that for a while anyway, right? Exactly. But um, mainly it's Currently, for us, first, um, the, the main focus is on the inbound use. So when we are integrating open source components without uh, within our own products. And the outbound use is currently, I would say, um, still growing or we are currently investing a lot of time in clarifying the best ways on how to contribute there and what are the, the best processes here to, yeah. Okay. Does that sound pretty similar to SAP or actually we're probably a little have a little more focus on the on the outbound already right i think there are a lot of similarities so by coincidence we just released in january a new learning program for sap and that consists of four modules and an introduction to open source and then and the next module is about inbound open source so how to consume open source in a secure and compliant manner and then we have a module about outbound open source how to contribute to open source and then last but not least, we have a module about inner source because SAP is, of course, not developing all of its software as open source. But for the things that we are not publishing as open source, we still try to follow the open source development model in-house by uh, running them as inner source projects. Okay. Yeah, in our inbound module, I think we are uh, conveying similar information as Holger just described. And um, we also have a similar concept we have open source um, champions at SAP who work closely together with OSPO so that in all our development locations over the spread across the globe, we also have local champions that can act as first level contact in case of questions or consulting for teams. Um, so that is also a little bit similar, I think, to what Holger just described. How about uh, the effect that is often listed also as a benefit of open source. Uh, do you, Holger, see open source also as an attracting factor for 
bright, young, new talent because doing things open source is a little bit cooler than uh, doing it uh, proprietary? Um, yes, definitely. I think it's um, beneficial for both sides, so for them or for the developers, because yeah, they are just used to, I would say, already during their, their studies or during their education to work with open source projects. Um, they can be sure that although they might change the employer, um, they do not have to give up their skills or knowledge of a specific technology or project. They can just take this with them to the next company and just continue where they stopped. And at the same time, I think this is also one big advantage for us as a company um, because we do not have to educate the people in the technology they they are supposed to use. We can just say, I uh, know, continue. <laughs> um, that's also one technology that we use or want to integrate in our products. And th the guys normally do not have to start from scratch. So uh, does it does it sometimes even like work this way that Holger goes to his boss and says, uh, boss, I've seen this guy out there in the open source communities. He's doing this and that and this, uh, and he seems to be brilliant or she, uh, let's hire her. That would require that I'm a coding wizard. And that's not really true because, um, yeah, I am really excited about everything that's happening in the, in the open source world, but I would not really call myself uh, an expert in any serious programming language or so. But maybe you know who the coding wizards are and you see that the coding wizards all say, hey, what you're doing there is great and it's relevant to Zeiss. And then you say, hey, boss, let's hire this person. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I, I see your point, but this would probably also require that I spend a lot of time in, in uh, participating or checking out what's happening on GitHub. And um, yeah, right now, as also I think we once said before, um, I'm already quite busy in providing the trainings and so on. And so it's really sometimes hard to catch up with the community. And I guess our engineering teams have the um, best idea of what they actually need or what is important to their work. And, and so I, I think it happens more that way. But I mean, in the end, it's fully true. I, I I just learned that a specific pro project they needed some some person from a community, and they just hired um, him or her on a on a freelancer basis. So oh, okay. just to make sure that um, yeah they really can benefit from from the knowledge and um, or both can benefit from the knowledge because in the end it goes back into the community project. And so okay, so so these things do happen. Yes. Do, does this happen for SAP as well? That we just know somewhere from out there and say, "Hey, want to come work for us?" That doesn't happen so often, but the other way around uh, happens more often. So when we present our open source projects at a meetup or um, at a conference, we already had several applications from people who attended those presentations. Yeah. For instance, with Gardener. Um, in the meetups that we did and where we talked about Gardener, some developers outside of SAP became aware of what we are doing with respect to container and cluster management. And then they applied for a job at SAP and we hired them for the project and this happened already several times. Um, so I think open source is also a brilliant way to um, make people aware of what we are all doing. And sometimes people are surprised because they don't associate certain technologies with SAP, even, even though we have significant development efforts in those areas or technologies. 
and maybe Holger already mentioned most of the important aspects for open source from a developer's point of view. One of them being that developers can develop their own personal brand. And definitely that leads to the fact because they are working in the public, oftentimes on public GitHub, that a lot of companies also use GitHub as a hiring tool where they are looking for contributors to um, open source projects or components which are, which are mission criticals for the respective companies. That definitely happens a lot. Um, and I think one advantage that um, I would also add from a developer's point of view is as a developer, if you work on an open source project, you have a chance to work together with the world leading experts in that respective field, right? If we take again the example of cluster management, if SAP would develop our um, container orchestration solution in a proprietary way, then our developers would just talk to each other. Now we are doing it in the open based on Kubernetes and we can talk to the world-class uh, Kubernetes experts. And that is of course also um, very satisfying for developers and it's also great for, for learning and for really keeping um, your knowledge up to date. So it works whichever way. You can talk to the leading experts, you can be recognized as the leading expert, uh, you can uh, you can hire the leading expert, uh, you can uh, whatever the leading expert, they're all out there. Great. Um, yeah. Absolutely. That's the beauty of open source. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, we have talked about quite a few aspects uh, in this last half hour. If you could have, or if we could have three key takeaways that we want our listeners to remember from this podcast, uh, maybe we'll all do one. Peter, no, Holger does one first, and Peter does one, and I do one. Um, so, Holger, your turn first. What's your key takeaway from the podcast? I think in my opinion, what's most important is to really focus on knowledge and sharing this knowledge instead of just um, betting on a specific tool or on a policy or process, because this yeah, might be of not that much use if you don't know why you're using this and what you need to check for. So, I mean, sometimes vendors are selling tools and they tell you, yeah, if you use this tool, you can be sure that you, you are open source compliant. But in the end, you are open source compliant if you've understood of what you really need to focus on and what are these aspects. And most importantly, what are the underlying principles? Because only in that way, you can make sure that you can uh, fulfill the requirements and take the best out of this. Okay, great. Peter, what's your one most important point? There's a really nice um, thing about managing open source in a company, for instance, in the form of an open source program office, is that you can also do it the open source way. There's a large community where you can turn to for help and for exchange. For instance, we have the Linux Foundation to do group where a lot of open source offices meet and program offices meet regularly to exchange best practices. Then we have the open chain reference tooling group which aims for creating a complete open source managing toolchain, compliance toolchain, completely based on open source projects. Um, that's great. And in September, end of September, beginning of October, there will be the first OSPOCON, um, so Open Source Program Office Conference. And that is, I think, a brilliant event for all OSPOs to meet and exchange and collaborate. 
Okay, here's one for the Ospos. Then it's my turn. My turn says uh, my turn says that the sheer fact that we're recording this podcast among SAP and Zeiss actually proves, I think, that open source is being lived. And Holger, thank you again at this point for being our first external guest. Um, thank you, Peter. Uh, again, it was nice to have you both here. And thanks all out there for listening to the Open Source Way. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it and don't miss our next one. It's published every last Wednesday of the month around noon. You'll find us on OpenSAP and in all regular podcast distributions like Apple Podcasts, Spotify and the likes. Thank you all. Thank you, Peter and Holger again. Goodbye. Thank you. And goodbye. Thank you very much. Goodbye.